Hello and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief APAC for CIO and CSO. My guest today is Joe LaCondro, Chief Information Officer at Fletcher Building. Joe is a technology and transformation leader with experience in global countries across several sectors and geographies, including mainland China, Asia Pacific and the Middle East. Hello, Joe. How are you doing today? Oh, very good. Thank you, Cathy. Great to see you. Great to chat again. So um, can you give us a brief overview of your role and what your team looks after at Fletcher? Sure, sure. Well, uh, as you alluded to, I'm the group CAO at Fletcher Building and uh, the Fletcher Building Group and particularly the IT division called Fletcher Tech uh, is a centralised uh, group within um, Fletcher Building and we provide the IT services, infrastructure, projects and consulting to over 30 companies across Australia and New Zealand. And we have about 300 plus staff straddling Australia and New Zealand in IT. So it's a big role and we'll definitely talk a lot more about the, the changes and um, what you're creating there at um, Fletcher Building. But just overall, can you give us a bit of a sense of what's your approach to transformation and I guess how, how has it taken shape in your career? Yeah, um, first thing is transformation is not for the faint-hearted. Um, I've done a numerous transformations during my career, um, particularly in the oil industry, the energy industry, airlines, entertainment, and now, of course, building and construction. But each time you do it, uh, you get a little bit better. You learn a little bit and um, you apply that to the next transformation. Uh, the real approach that I take is to really define the three to five year transformation strategy. And I do that by baselining where we're at today and then understanding what the business strategy and goals are for the next three years. Once you have the baseline and where the business wants to go, you then start aligning the tech strategy with the business strategy. And then as you go along, there are some lessons learned during my career doing transformation. And the first thing is you've got to build on solid foundations. And if you don't have them, you've got to create those solid foundations in the tech stack in particular. And the other thing I learned was you need to ensure that you sequence the components of the transformation correctly. Because if you don't, you have to go back and rework things. So it's important that once you get your strategy, your vision and your plan, you do it in the, in the right order. But overarching that, you need to be bold. Otherwise, it's just incrementalism, not transformation. Now, one of the bold things you've done at Fletcher Building, of course, is you've re completely rebranded the technology function there, creating Fletcher Tech. So why did this come about? And I guess, how does it operate differently from, from traditional IT models? Yeah, well, every CIO has a challenge to make IT relevant within its business and the customers it serves. And too often, uh, tech divisions or tech departments are seen as a back office function. Sometimes they report to finance or whatever. And it's really about getting relevancy. Um, and branding is one way of doing that. And when we looked at rebranding um, Fletcher to Fletcher Tech, we tried to get that value proposition. And when we did it, we looked at three types of value proposition. 
The first one was um, attracting external talent. Uh, and our tagline is, why work for one company when you can work for 30? And we wanted to ensure that people understood that Fletcher Tech was a contemporary IT division, um, allowing careers and paths for people. The second value proposition was with our internal customers and business units. And to there, we needed to ensure that the brand stood for creating value. And our tagline for the internal businesses is, our business is to grow your business. And then thirdly, the employee proposition, and that is a sense of belonging, an identity, uh, something that the employees in Fletcher Tech can relate to. And they really look at three things, career, diversity and strength. So Fletcher Tech, um, which we had your competitive advantage, allows us to enable that value proposition across those three segments. But it's not just about a rebrand, it's about changing your operating model. So we saw our, we've now changed ourselves as a commercial entity providing IT services, projects, consulting to over these 30 companies. Now, whilst I say that we're looking as a commercial entity, we are still part of the Fletcher Group, but our mindset is to work commercially. And that way, when we approach the businesses, we approach them as a commercial provider of services to them and show them the value. We changed our operating model to introduce business partners, but the business partners have now a commercial focus. They're not just an order taker. Their aim is to create strategic IT plans for each of the business units and customers that they serve. And then finally, we introduced measurement of value metrics, that is, we report the value of the IT investment that is being made by each of these companies. It's okay to say projects are on time and on budget, but what value did they create? What business KPI did they support? Was it increase in margin? Was it reduction in cost? Was it increasing in the net promoter score? How do the IT investments further those business capabilities? And Fletcher Tech is looking from the customer in versus the supplier out. So that's the major difference to our approach. So I know you're only a few months in, but you know, can you tell us what kind of impact you're seeing already um, having Fletcher Tech embedded and um, working so closely alongside those various business units within the group? Yeah, um, we've done a few things. Um, we've really spent a lot of time in reaching out to the business and customer base we've introduced a series of tech talks um, out to the business, much like the tech talks, but tech talks. And our first one was done last week with Nigel Latter, who's very uh, well known in um, New Zealand. And he came in and gave a talk about cyber scams, what to watch, watch out for. This was open to all of the uh, Fletcher Building Group, both remotely and internally, and it's part of our Fletcher Tech showing value in things that matter. In first quarter next year, we'll be doing one on AI and a series on what AI means to people. And then following that in May, another one on futurists and what is in the future of technology. We're also reaching out by creating 
uh, support hubs, which are physical presence in our cafeteria and in our sites, where people can roll up and just do the simple things without having to raise a ticket. If they've got a problem with their email on their phone or something like that, they rock up to the Fletcher Tech support hub and get the things sorted out first time. We also do newsletters um, out to, in professional um, tone, to business units, and we also propagate our successes and business value continuously. And in addition, all my SLT go to the business divisions senior leadership team meetings and give talks on where technology is and what's happening in their areas. Sounds like great interaction across the business. Um, and now you mentioned um, AI earlier, and of course, there's not a day that goes by without AI being mentioned. But I know that it's something that you're looking at um, at Fletcher Building. I know you've got a speech to text system and a safety prediction system. Can you give us a bit more details on, I guess, those kind of specific AI technologies that you're implementing at Fletcher? Yeah, we're very lucky because we're a diverse company. We control different AI on different companies and different use cases. The first one, which was in Lemonex Australia, we were able to um, record over millions of uh, minutes of call centre um, calls and text. And the AI converted the, the calls to text and then started looking for patterns in those uh calls. And what we were able to do was to find um, key issues um, with regards to um, what was not being delivered, incomplete orders. Um, we even found that some of our sales reps were ringing into the call centre ordering on behalf of customers. It was sort of like doing business with ourselves. But what, the, what it allows is we get near real-time information on what customers are saying through a call centre that would otherwise have taken weeks or months to digest so much call interaction time. Similarly, we uh, experimented in one of the most difficult ones that we've, I've had to do to date, and that is to try and predict accidents before they happen. And what we were able to do was go through 10 years of safety and health data. And then what we were doing was algorithms that would try and predict what types of injuries would occur and when. When we first did the algorithms and ran AI, we had an 82% success rate. But through continuous learning after eight months, that success rate went up to 91.7%. We are now able to look at predictive accidents by location, by body part, by injury type every month in every business. And we further enhance the data sets with sporting events data and other data that will keep enhancing our prevention of injuries. The third one is a bill of materials where we're using visual AI to look at drawings that builders give us to determine lengths, widths, door frames, and to try and accurately quote a bill of materials for building jobs. And on a sustainability front, we're looking at visual AI again to look at potential building materials that are put into dumpsters and, can, and we, can have, we can look at them and recognise what building materials such as wood, plaster, et cetera, could be recycled with the visual AI identifying those. So there's some of the examples, um, lots more to go, 
but we're really taking it by the horns and seeing where it can add value. Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal. And great to see the impact that that's having, um, particularly when it comes to a safety perspective. So what challenges did you and the team face in implementing some of these innovative technologies? I mean, especially considering Fletcher is so diverse, you know, quite a few different business units you're dealing with there. How how did you deal with those challenges and and overcome them? I think the first thing is that um, Fletcher as a group is uh, very proactive with technology. I think the issue was that across 30 companies, we couldn't harness it to the greater good. So the first thing we did is we created IT strategic plans for every business unit. And from there, we saw the commonalities in things that people wanted to do with call centres or e-commerce or mobile apps, etc. So we use those uh, strategic roadmaps to then work out where we should focus our effort on innovation. And from there, we pick pilots like we did, we said, with the call centre, et cetera. The second part is that we look at our uh, technology partners and look at emerging technologies where we think they can be leveraged. And we do use cases. A current one that we're looking at now is to look at Apple iPhones to maybe replace the old handheld scanners that are used in warehouses. Why do we have to have old scanners when everyone's got a phone? Build an app and let it go into the back-end systems. So there's lots and lots of use cases. And what we're finding is we have very good forums with our business partners to look at that. And the leveraging effect is that what we do in one business, we can then leverage across many others. And that group synergy operational efficiency, customer intimacy is where we're getting the most bang for our buck. So then tell us, Joe, I mean, as a CIO, you and your team, you you deal with, you know, you all parts of the business, but particularly when it comes to you as a leader, how do you, I guess, collaborate and influence the leadership team there at Fletcher and the wider organization? Yeah, well, for me, um, It's very good that as a member of the exec team, I have a seat at the table and you can never underscore the value of that either by understanding what the critical business issues are or two, um, giving a different insight or perspective into some company-wide decisions. We'll be taking up our AI policy and guidelines to the exec and so we'll have a fairly large influence in the way AI is used within the Fletcher group, the do's, the don'ts, the guidelines, what to watch out for. But more importantly, I think um, most of the tech com- most of the Fletcher group see technology as an enabler to their business performance. And so I collaborate informally with my other execs. Um, I'll jointly look at startups or technology with them. Um, I'll also um, go to conferences and shows with them. Um, But more importantly, it's getting the Fletcher Tech group of um, business partners and GMs to really look at the business and influence their direction through the roadmaps and showing them where the value is. The business say, we don't know what we don't know. You're our technology partner. Please show us the art of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And great that, you know, that your organization has such a positive approach to technology. 
technology. It's not that way in in, in every company. So good that you have that to start with. Um, and look, you've worked in a number of different industries and geographies, as I said earlier. What do you think are some of the key attributes of um, a successful modern day CIO when it comes to leadership? Yeah, and I think that's a very good question. And I probably would have had a different answer 20 years ago as I do today. Um, but really, I think a modern day CIO, they're expected to create a vision and then engage and lead people along the journey. Um, there's a difference between leadership and management and that I think that most CIOs need to take a, a leadership position versus managing tasks and activities. I think the other attribute is to be visible and communicate and I do that through having coffee talks with all levels of staff. Um, I have a regular coffee talk with the most junior staff uh, once a week and I get to hear from the ground what matters to the staff um, without any layers or filters. Um, I've gone through 300 staff now and it's quite enlightening. And I think the networking is an important bit for a modern day CIO. Not only networking in your own organisation, but also externally, because you get ideas and you get a sense of what other people are doing. And you also see other opportunities that you hadn't even thought of. And also some of your business partners and technology partners, um, by having a very good network, will come forward to you with other ideas, which really leads me to the point that most CIOs and modern day contemporary ones leverage their technology partners to further the innovation agenda. You can't do it all yourself, but leveraging your technology partners gives you that extra leveraging that you could otherwise not have achieved. And then finally, you just need to be clear, concise and focused, even when you're dealing with ambiguity. Absolutely. And there's certainly a lot of ambiguity in these times. And you mentioned there are the people part being essential to a modern day um, successful CIO. So you talked about, you know, you do the coffee talks, which which are which I love. And earlier you mentioned the tech talks that you do for the wider business. How else are you creating that internal culture that really helps your people to thrive? Yeah, I mean. A company and its soul is through its people and internal culture, high performing teams and, and learning teams are a real mainstay of any technology division. Um, in Fletcher Tech, we continue to create an all inclusive culture. Um, we have many uh, nationalities um, and we recognise those special days and through morning teas etc. And even I had requests to change some of the uh, food in the cafeteria that would be uh, more uh, akin to some of the dietary requirements of some of our Middle Eastern um, staff. Um, and also, you know, creating things like prayer rooms, etc. But we do spend an inordinate amount of time on career development and succession planning. That requires a lot of thought. And we typically as a senior leadership team, spend a whole day off-site going through the 300 staff individually. Um, it's a big task, but at least we know which people are performing and which ones need 
aspirations to move ahead. As a result of that, we've been able to meet some of our goals, which are currently we have 30% of uh, females in leadership positions in the technology division. Um, we've reduced our churn rates and increased our staff retention. Um, we've actually uh, got an employee engagement uh, survey and currently Fletcher Tech's about 80%, which is a really good um, litmus test of where we're going. And we continually train and upskill people in new technologies such as data, AI, architecture, cyber, all those hot skills. So it's a combination of learning, training, listening, uh, and developing people. Now, you mentioned there are a few of the things that you're doing internally for your staff, particularly in terms of, I guess, making the people feel like they belong and, you know, that they have um, food that reflects, you know, the kind of food they, they like. And uh, great that you're doing so much in terms of that career development and, and learning and development. It's so important. But just getting people in the door, I guess, is, is one thing I want to ask you about. You know, why don't we have enough diversity in IT roles? And there, are there any other practical things that can be done to get people into IT that, that better reflect the Aotearoa that we live in? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, this is probably where I draw on my experience living in Asia, the Middle East and, and, and uh, Australia and New Zealand. I think the first um, common theme is that you need to have the right environment, the right environment to attract uh, diversity of talent. And some employers and some companies uh, have a very strong unconscious bias. I don't think they do it consciously. I think there's an unconscious bias either in the recruitment or that they look at the technical skills without the diversity skills or the interpersonal skills and what we've found is that if you balance your technical skill and your diversity or um, personal skills you'll get a better result um, really employees here in New Zealand need to little be a, need to be a little bit more flexible in their working arrangements um, we've got very good flexible working arrangements for people uh, particularly female leaders who need to balance home life and work life, and we've made great inroads there. But also, as I said earlier, about prayer rooms and cafe food and, and things like that, they may not mean much to us, but they mean a lot to the people, to the environment they work in. And more importantly, creating uh, groups like women in technology or leadership programs, that also helps. Um, but underpinning that, you need to have a corporate value system that encourages diversity. It's no use the IT department going alone. It needs to be part of the ethos of the company you work with. Um, we have one, uh, one of our values, which is uh, better together, uh, which encourages all that diversity. And, and, and we need to have a safe environment to encourage those people to be able to work there. Uh, so really, I think it's in the recruitment um, where you can get that technical as well as personal one. But then look at other places than the traditional places of universities. I'm surprised everyone still looks in the same spots all the time. And maybe you'll find that the diversity is outside the areas you'd commonly look for. 
uh, and then make sure your policies are flexible for uh, those type of um, different cultures and different genders. Uh, and so I think it needs a lot of work and it needs a lot of focus, but the rewards are tenfold. Mm. Absolutely. And look, it's it's not just IT, right? It's it's many different um, parts of different businesses are, are looking for, um, yeah, a, a diverse range of people and ages, genders, everything um, to better reflect the, the communities we live in. Um, now, Joe, you have a lot of global experience as, as CIO um, and, you know, different industries. So what are some of, I guess, the, the main lessons you've learned um, over the years that have shaped you as a leader? Yeah, it's always good to reflect. And in a learning culture, you always reflect. But uh, I've got about six that I think are some of my biggest lessons learned. Um, earlier on in life, I used to... Um, look after the high performers, and uh, but that was always at the expense of the team. So lesson number one is never sacrifice a team for an individual, no matter how good that performer is. Um, the second one is that um, in leadership terms, you never ask people to do something that you would not do yourself. And I think you need to be humble about that when you're barking commands or doing asking for things to be done and say, well, would I do that? Um, the third one, which is a, a cultural one, I found this particularly in Asia, um, that it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. Some people feel that if they ask their manager or their boss or somebody for help, that it may be perceived as weakness. For me, it's perceived as a level of maturity that people understand that they do need help. The fourth is, as I said earlier, there's a big difference between managing people and leading people. Some of the classic leaders that I uh, have been inspired by are like Winston Churchill, when he was talking about leading armies, he said it's easier to pull the string through the hole rather than push it through the hole. Or you had visionary leaders like John F. Kennedy, who said, you know, they aspired to put man on the moon. Um, those type of visionary leaders or wartime leaders um, left the managing of the day-to-day, -day, but they, create, they created that inspiration for people to follow them. And a true leader is followed, whereas a manager dictates the commands. The other fifth one is, you are only as good as the team you have working with you. Make sure they're all up to the task. Too many times leaders and CIOs don't take the hard decisions. And they're sometimes dragged down by sometimes the underperformers. It's not to say that all people are bad. It may be that they're in the wrong position and they need to be moved to something more capable. But as a leader, you really, really rely on your team and collectively, that's where the magic happens for leadership. So you're only as good as the team you have with you. And then finally, being a transformative leader means you need to be a change leader and you need to back your judgment. You need to be bold and you need to um, have a conviction and see through the change. A transformation leader is one of resilience. And you need to be able to have that to weather the good and the bad 
and to persevere. So they're my six sort of biggest lessons learnt over my career. Fantastic lessons, some absolute gold nuggets in there, Joe, for any IT leader, for anyone who's aspiring to be any leader, I would say. Um, Look, you've had um, a busy year in 2023 at Fletcher Tech, and I'm sure it's not going to let up in 2024. So I guess what's on your plate for 2024? Um, What's important to you as we head into the next year? Well, 2024, it'd be no surprise that managing AI is going to be one of those top of mind ones. The genie's out of the bottle. It's out in the fingertips of everybody. So managing that will be um, a very big exercise. But on top of that, we're still moving on investing in data and analytics and creating that omni-channel experience for customer. Also, vigilance on cyber. That's never going to go away, and that's a big ticket item for next year. I've got this massive ERP transformation um, that's going across three years, so that's uh, a fairly big transformation in itself. Um, Taking Fletcher Tech to the next level um, is going to be a big agenda item for me. And then moving the Fletcher Building Group towards a future-ready state so that it's a data-driven platform-based company. Uh, for the future. So there's some of my ticket items for 2024. That'll certainly keep you uh, very busy, Joe. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on CIO Leadership Live today. Thank you. And it was great talking with you, Kathy.